Are you ready to sell your business? There are a number of reasons why store owners might want to sell, and it can be daunting to figure out where to even start. Now you can advertise your business for sale with NHPA's Retail Marketplace. NHPA frequently receives inquiries to help retailers sell their businesses, so this marketplace gives store owners a cost-effective way to advertise their store to more than 40,000 retailers in the home improvement industry. The likelihood is much greater that a potential buyer for your business will be found amongst the people who are already in the industry, so you can connect with them here in the NHPA Retail Marketplace. Public and private listings are available, and to learn more or get your listing today, go to yournhpa.org backslash marketplace. That's your, Y-O-U-R, nhpa.org backslash marketplace. Welcome to Editorially Speaking, the magazine podcast for the North American Hardware and Paint Association. I'm Melanie Mal, Managing Editor for the Association. On today's episode, we have Bruce Tolgan, uh, and we are talking about his book, Bridging the Soft Skills Gap, How to Teach the Missing Basics to Today's Young Talent. Um, so Bruce, if you could tell us a little bit about um, your history, kind of researching employee development and soft skills in the workplace and kind of what drove you to write this book? What were kind of the conclusions that that led you to write this book? Yeah, so uh, we've been doing research on the front lines of the workplace since 1993. Uh, back then, I was a young, unhappy lawyer, and uh, <laughs> uh, I started doing in-depth interviews uh, with young people and uh, people my age. And I started asking them, how do you think about work? Uh, you know, why do you go work one place as opposed to another? Why do you leave? Uh, tell us about your best boss. Tell us about your bosses who are not so good. Uh, and my first batch of interviews came out in a book in, in the early uh, to mid 90s. Um, anyway, we've been doing that research on the front lines of the workplace now for 27 years. And uh, we've interviewed more than a half a million people from more than 400 organizations. Uh, that research has turned into 21 different books, dozens of white papers and articles. And everything we do is based on this in-depth interview research. We ask people questions. So often we go into organizations and we'll interview people. And then we try to help their leaders, managers, supervisors uh, understand where they're coming from and where they're going and how to better help them do more, better, faster in ways that are more gratifying. So along the way, what we do in our research is we tune into trends. Uh, so, you know, right now, the trend facing most uh, organizations of all shapes and sizes is they're having a really hard time uh, attracting, uh, selecting, onboarding, uh, managing, and retaining talent. Right. There's a talent shortage. There's just yeah. not people. Right. So that's an issue we're tracking right now. Uh, over the years, because I started out writing about young people, uh, my first book was Managing Generation X. Uh, I wrote a book about the millennials called Not Everyone Gets a Trophy. Uh, and, you know, most of our work is about advising leaders and managers. Uh, one of the trends that we tuned into um, a number of years ago 
was what we call this rising soft skills gap uh, that leaders and managers would tell us, gee, you know, even when people show up with really good technical skills, even if they show up uh, ready to work hard, uh, even if they show up uh, smart enough, right? Even if they show up with a decent <laughs> attitude, um, so often what they're missing uh, is is the the sort of old fashioned soft skills that uh, that are so important. And uh, so at, at, over time, we, we, we started noticing this was coming up more and more and more um, that that how people are showing up to work um, and, and, and what employers need. There's a growing gap. Uh, and, and, you know, there's everyone knows about the hard skills gap, right? The, the gap in STEM skills, uh, uh, sure. science, technology, engineering and math. Um, but but there's less focus on uh, the old fashioned soft skills and, and they're not soft because they're easy. They're soft because they're not technical skills. Right. Um, so that that, you know, and then um, so so ultimately we had enough research on that, that I did a book called Bridging the Soft Skills Gap. Um, I think what's really cool about this book in particular is that you incorporate so much of those conversations of those you know, the people that you spoke to, you said you that's half a million. That is, is what you said, right? Like, yeah, half a million so people many from people. more than from more than 400 organizations and plenty of them were grownups, but a lot of them are very young. Yeah. And I think it's great to see all the different industries represented. You know, you've got nurse managers, you said there's, you know, there's a rental car company um, and, you know, other, you know, more, uh, more kind of white collar, if you will, uh, organizations. Um, and so it's really great to see the, the spectrum of people who are all saying the same thing, that soft skills is a challenge across industries. Um, do you, do you find that different industries solve the gap differently? Well, I mean, some organizations don't really deal with the issue, right? They hire people mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. uh, either they've got the technical skills necessary to do the job, right? So some jobs require a substantial amount of technical training. Yeah. Uh, let's say if you're going to hire a medical technician or, or a nurse, or if you're going to hire a welder uh, or yeah. a carpenter, right? Those people have to have the skills. Now, you might decide if, if they don't need certain kinds of credentialing that you'll hire somebody and train them. But, 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 but there's so much focus on, uh, OK, we, we got to give people the technical knowledge and, and, and technique right, to do the work. Uh, but but uh, so people get hired because we figure, OK, they could probably do that work. Uh, but then they they things don't go well or they get fired because they lack the soft skills. But most organizations don't really attend to this, and especially small organizations. Um, I mean, look, you know, if you I'd say the organization that's best at it is the United States Armed Forces. And we've been honored and privileged to work with the United States Armed Forces since 1995. And, you know, they're great at it. They hire a bunch of young people. Uh, they tear them apart and rebuild them. And, you know, they teach them <laughs> how to do everything and they transform them. And a huge part of what they teach them uh, would fall into the categories of soft skills. So, of course, <laughs> they teach them how to shoot a weapon. That's that's a technical skill. But they also teach them uh, uh, how to show up early, how to stay late, how to present themselves, how to speak to each other. 
you know, they, they, they teach them how to solve problems. They teach them how to be part of a team. Uh, so they, a huge amount of, of what they learn would fall into those non-technical skills and, um, and they treat them very, very seriously. So the military is a great example of an organization that really focuses on this. I think when I talk with business leaders, especially relatively small businesses, you know, they're like, look, somebody else should have taught them that their mother or their father or right. somebody in school or their pastor or somebody should have taught them that stuff. <laughs> um, I, um, I'm, I'm looking in the book right now and I kind of want to do just a brief overview for our listeners about, you know, what soft skills we're actually talking about. Um, so I think soft skills can mean different things to different people, but you've broken it down really easily in the book. You know, each kind of section outlines all the different soft skills we're talking about and how to develop them. Um, so we're talking about self-evaluation, personal responsibility, positive attitude, good work habits, people skills, um, problem solving, like you said, decision-making. I think decision-making is a big one. Um, and uh, that leads to my next question is, in your opinion, are all of these soft skills considered equal? I mean, I don't know if I would say they're all considered equal. We put them, in, so what you're referring to is our soft skills model. Mm -hmm. And we frame the soft skills in, in, in sort of, um, developmental order right sure. so so uh the first one you need is self-evaluation against a an objective standard if you don't have that uh it's very hard to build the other ones right uh, the, the second one is personal responsibility which means being aware of things outside your control yeah. but focusing on what you can control you uh the third one is work habits right so until you have the first two you're going to have a hard time orienting yourself to uh, using the right language, uh, uh, showing up on time. Why should I use a checklist? Why should I take notes? Uh, uh, why should I uh, be on time? Does it really matter if I'm seven minutes late? Um, yes, it matters. It drives people bananas, right? Uh, so so, so we, we put them in developmental order. Uh, but there, there are uh, the the model covers the soft skills that we've identified where they're really important to business leaders and managers, and there's a growing gap in how people are showing up in relation to them. Uh, so, so uh, attitude um, uh, is the fourth one. People skills is the fifth. As you say. Uh, 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 problem solving and decision making, but we we have one that comes before problem solving and decision making, which is uh, building foundational knowledge. Mm. Uh, and then there's a whole uh, third category, which is understanding context. Where do you fit? Right. So so often people show up, and you know everybody's the star in their own drama, right? So one of the things people don't realize is, well, everybody else is the star in their own drama too. <laughs> Um, and, and when you show up at work and you're like, you know, I'm here and and uh, and they're thinking like, oh, hey, welcome aboard. We've had this uh, business for 30 years. Uh, for us, it's Monday, you know, but for them, it's like, <laughs> wow, I'm here. You know, I've arrived. So understanding context, teamwork, service mindset. What does it mean to be a citizen? So, you know, when I talk about citizenship, 
I'm talking about, hey, in your organization, what does it mean to be a citizen, right? In some organizations, you show up uh, in a suit and tie. In some organizations, if you showed up in a suit and tie, it would be weird. Like, yeah. you know, you, you stand out like, we're you know, you're trying to give everyone the impression that this is your business or, you know, hey, you, you know, you're supposed to wear overalls here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think for our listeners who, you know, I think that probably uh, speaks to them is that it would be very strange to show up to a hardware store or a paint store in a suit. Um, exactly. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, in for any retail job, you know, regardless of whatever retail industry you're in, people skills is definitely at the top, you know, most of the time in a retail job, you're going to be talking to people all day long. Um, and so uh, I, I would kind of put that at the top, but if a retailer is kind of trying to figure out what soft skills are most critical to the success of my organization, how would you kind of guide them through that evaluation of, you know, what's, how do they identify what soft skills are important or critical to the job? Yeah, well, again, uh, uh, our approach is a developmental approach because some of them really are necessary building blocks. Sure. But what I often will say to business leaders is, you know, for one thing, you're right. Maybe someone else should have taught them this, but here they are and it's your business and you're having such a hard time hiring. You know, can you really afford to be like, nope, not you. Nope, not you. Nope, not you. Nope, not you. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, because you think like that person seems like uh, they're not I don't like the cut of their jib. Right. So if you embrace the fact that, OK, there are th I can teach the person where we keep stuff on the shelves. I can teach them how to mix paint. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. I can teach them the difference between one tool and another tool. Uh, I can tell them, hey, when that guy comes in, turns out that guy's a contractor. So, you know, he's looking at one little thing, but usually when he buys, you know, he needs a couple wheelbarrows to take the stuff out. So spend some sure, time sure. with that person, right? Those are all technical details of, of a sort, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but as a business leader, you can decide, well, what do I want my business to feel like? What do I want it to look like? What do I want people's experience, uh, both internally and externally, to be like? And then it's you can really shape a culture around a constellation of soft skills. So um, you can choose a few and then emphasize the heck out of them, mm -hmm. right? So, so let's say people skills, to your point, you know, we work with a lot of retail organizations. Now, my view is often what goes wrong in retail interactions, uh, the customer service interaction, often what goes wrong uh, maybe a matter of context, right? right. Somebody comes yeah. up to, 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 to ask somebody for help and they're like, uh, yeah, just a minute, I'm on Facebook, right? You know, hey, 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 you know, <laughs> hey, let's be clear, you just interrupted me, so hang on a second, right? And so if you're right. just thinking people skills, you might be like, well, you don't interrupt people, you say please, right? You wait your turn, what's the matter with you, pal, right? <laughs> so, so you say, well, oh, in context here, that person's going to pay us. We're paying you. So we want you to put your phone away. See? Right. Um, and, and, uh, or problem solving. Sometimes what goes wrong is somebody's asking you a question. You don't know how to find the answer. 
So, uh, you know, usually what we recommend is really interrogate yourself and your experience as a business leader. Think about what's going on in your organization. Think about what you want to build a special culture around. And, and even if it's just people skills, is it asking questions or is it listening? Uh, is it asking questions, listening, and, and, and um, then taking notes in a way that's visible? But there's so that's a very simple example of a set of techniques where you can make soft skills, um, give them a technical framework. So sometimes when we're working uh, with a retail organization, what we teach very, very simple ask questions. Here are the questions that you should be asking. Uh, listen carefully, take notes, and let somebody see you're taking notes. That sends a powerful message that what's going on for you is figuring out what's going on for them and that what's going on for them matters. That sends a powerful signal. It's so much more than just please and thank you. So that's just an example of how to frame out uh, 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 an element of soft skills in a way that can, that can shape. Like, so people say, hey, every time you go into that store, have you noticed, right? What they do is they come over and they ask you questions and start taking notes. Right. It's, it sends yeah. a message. Yeah. One thing one thing we kind of talk our our retailers through um, is is this idea of like a store audit. So you're going through and you're doing you know, you're looking at whether the shelves are full and you're looking at whether, you know, things are put away in the right place and are the lights working and are the floors clean. Um, but I think what could be an interesting exercise is to do the same thing with your people is to kind of go, you know, walk through your store as if you were a customer um, and kind of do a soft skills audit, if you will, like what is what does the customer interaction look like um, with the people and and kind of figure out what's what's maybe missing or what could be improved. So that could be kind of a fun exercise. We should look into doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great idea. And in fact, in the book, there are tools uh, to do just that. You know, um, if you look at uh, self-evaluation against an objective standard, the first soft skill that we emphasize, uh, you know, because in today's environment, like all styles are equally valid. Hey, man, that's just how I do it. Like, you have to find a way around that, which is like, yeah, no hard feelings, nothing personal. Just this is how we do it. And this is how we want you to do it. Right. Right. So, yeah. But but in that particular category, uh, there is um, uh, in part two of the book, there is uh, essentially an evaluation tool that can be used. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What what would you say to to a retailer who who says, you know, they don't need to focus on soft skills, they don't need to develop it, you know, this is the way we've always done it. Um, these aren't things I need to focus on. My staff is fine or my store is fine. I mean, if you feel like your staff is fine and your store is fine, that's fantastic. I mean, one of the things I've learned is that um, elite performers in any field, you know, usually don't declare victory and stop practicing. Uh, so uh, I, I always tell folks, you know, if you're human, uh, you are a living organism and living organisms are not static. Uh, so either you're growing and getting stronger uh, or you're decaying and getting weaker. The thing is that if you're not growing and getting stronger, you are decaying and getting weaker. It's just that sure. most people don't notice, 
right? Yeah. So, so if you're if you're systematically working on getting better, uh, there's a darn good chance at least you're not getting worse, uh, and there's even a chance you're getting a little better. Uh, but if, if 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 you you know human beings are wired to go on autopilot, so people want to go on autopilot, right? It's efficient. Sure. We're we're complex organisms evolved to succeed in a complex environment. So we're wired to go on autopilot. The problem is if you go on autopilot, uh, usually you have a steadily declining uh, productivity, quality, and attitude even. So what I would ask people is, you know, okay, so is there, are, what are the things you're trying to get people to do more of? Well, I wish the store were more clean, do you? You know, well, I wish customers uh, uh, didn't have to look around for stuff. Oh. Uh, well, I, I wish customers uh, didn't uh, call ahead to ask if something's there. Uh, somebody would say, yeah, probably. Then they come in and it's not there. <laughs> right? um, uh, I wish when customers came in and they were asking for X, Y, or Z, that the, the people serving them had the foresight and insight to say, well, if you need X, Y, and Z, you probably also need A, B, C, D, and E, right? Right, um, right. And, and, and Oh, X, Y, and Z. So, so what are you doing? You're building a fence. Oh, I see. Well, you realize you'll probably need two more posts there, right? And, and, and so, you know, what you're doing, uh, so, so you got to ask yourself, right? Is that happening? Do you have dinner, you know, at home and talk about, well, I only wish X, Y, or Z would happen. Well, if that's true, uh, you know, there's a darn good chance that helping your uh, employees develop soft skills uh, would 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 make a difference. Um, you talk a little bit about so you have history talking to millennials um, and you talk a little bit about millennials in this book. But now we're on this cusp of Gen Z, you know, they're they're college age and like mid 20s at this point. So do you find there's a difference between millennials soft skills gap and Gen Z soft skills gap and, and kind of how do you address both populations in the same workplace? Yeah. I mean, look, uh, uh, workplaces are increasingly diverse in every way. Generational difference is one of those elements of diversity. Um, and, and look right now, uh, with a note from their parents, uh, you, you know, the youngest people in the workplace were born in 2005, right? Yeah. You know, so sometimes I'll be at a conference and I'll be talking to a bunch of business owners and I'll be like, okay, so 2005, are you with me? Like, where were you in 2005? Right? <laughs> a bunch of them are like, I was at this conference, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those people were getting born. So, uh, uh, you know, yes, uh, uh, thing, look, I mean, it's always the case that the youngest, least experienced people uh, seem like they got an attitude and drive the, the grownups a little bit wacky. You know, we, we, we've been doing this research since 1993. Uh, back then, I was young. Uh, and uh, so, you know, over the, the, the years, we've been interviewing young people. And about half of what these generational issues are made of is just uh, developmental life stages, right? I mean, there's certain sure. things about being young, but half of it or so is, is real accidents of history. You know, young people today have grown up learning how to think, learn, and communicate while attached to a handheld supercomputer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and most of them, at least until the pandemic, 
um, uh, even, you know, were programmed with one activity after another. Maybe during the pandemic, it's been worse. I mean, you know, if, if the millennials uh, uh, were raised on self-esteem, right, uh, all styles are equally valid. Uh, uh, Gen Zers have been raised by helicopter parents on steroids. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at the same time, of course, think about the young people today. Uh, they've grown up. Uh, let's just say the last year and a half has been this, this, you know, for most of us, I'm 54. You know, this has been about the weirdest year and a half uh, uh, for, for, for me in my life. And, right. and for them, it's like, oh, yeah, pandemic. That's what, you know, we're all living in a science fiction movie. And they're like, yeah, life is a science fiction movie. So, uh, uh, you know, yes, there are uh, there are generational differences. And, and to, to this issue, uh, what we see is more and more and more. The all styles are equally valid. My parents said it's like this. Um, hey, you know, oh, that's how you do it. Well, I have a handheld supercomputer. There's 704 ways to do it. And I just, you know, in, in the time that it took you to finish telling me how to do it, I just Googled 704 other ways to do it. And here's a YouTube video that shows my ways better. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, they're different. And by the way, sometimes they're onto something. Yeah. You know, but, but, yeah. but I'll tell you this about, about soft skills. Please and thank you. Never get old. Showing up on time never gets old. Um, <laughs> if you're having a bad day, keeping that on the inside and smiling on the outside never gets old. Uh, yeah. Taking notes and using checklists never gets old. Uh, solving problems, um, uh, being a good corporate citizen uh, never gets old. Yeah. I highlighted this this part in your book about Gen Z employees that I think, you know, kind of just, just wraps up what you just said about your about using your phones. They have a built-in expectation that learning curves are instant. They think of learning in small increments, filling skill and knowledge gaps as they run across them. The long learning curve is a rarity and a bit of a mystery to Gen Z. Do you find that putting them through this this model of soft skills is is challenging for them because you know you you say it's buildable. So if they are, you know, of that group that wants that fast learn in a moment, it, does this adapt well for that kind of way to learn? Well, what's it's, to me, one of the things that's interesting is technical skills are on an obsolescence curve, right? So technical skills become obsolete over time, right? right. Like if you know how to show somebody how to use a handsaw, that's always going to work, but if, if, if you have no idea how to use a chainsaw, right, that's just, that's a technical skill that, uh, you know, there's an obsolescence curve to that. Not only that, but if you're, if, if you know, if you only know how to operate a, a gas powered chainsaw, you know, and who knows, I mean, now there's probably robot chainsaws where you just, you know, talk to it and make friends with it and have it go cut stuff down. I mean, I don't right. know. I don't, I, I'm not an expert <laughs> in, in the technical matters of hardware, but, um, uh, you, you know, and yesterday I was talking with somebody from a door opening solutions company. Uh, for most people, that would be a lock company, uh, but, but they call it door opening solutions. And, um, uh, you know, the, so these technical matters get, they go obsolete. And, 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 and so, it, but soft skills never become obsolete. Sure. That's the beauty of it. 
Um, and so, yeah, you, but you do have to uh, help people appreciate the rigor of foundational learning. Um, yeah. that, that, you know, it's good to build a foundation of basic fact, basic logic, uh, especially basic facts and logic that are not going to become obsolete. Two plus two is always going to equal four. That's mm -hmm. why math is worth learning. Uh, you know, and, and, and then uh, showing people the building blocks of foundational knowledge and even problem solving. You know, the big fallacy about problem solving uh, is that you, you got to put your thinking cap on. Well, no, no, no. 99% of problems have already occurred and been solved, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the best way to teach problem solving is to identify all of the recurring problems that people deal with regularly and have ready-made repeatable solutions for that. Sure. So uh, now when, here's the other beautiful thing about that. When you master a bunch of repeatable solutions in a particular context, then when something comes up for which there's not uh, a ready-made repeatable solution, turns out people make much better decisions when it comes to a problem of first impression, people make much better decisions if they've already studied a bunch of recurring problems. They're much better able to uh, extrapolate and improvise. Think about any situation you've ever been in. You know, the more you know the basics and the more you've run into a bunch of problems and solved them, and you know how to solve problems one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, when you run across a new problem, uh, you're much better prepared to sort of figure out how to approach that. Um, and so it, one of the things we try to do is help people understand uh, the, the value of building foundational knowledge in your brain, in your bones. Um, and, and, and good news, you know, that handheld supercomputer is still going to come in really handy. But when you, so for example, you know, if you're trying to solve a problem, one of the things that foundational knowledge and, and, and good problem solving will help you do uh, when you Google something, it will help you uh, evaluate whether what you're finding is nonsense or information that makes sense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, one other example that stood out to me in the book is um, one of the stories you tell about a rental car company that puts everybody kind of through the same onboarding process. So no matter what what role they have in the company, what position they have, they're starting out washing cars. Um, yeah, that's that uh, for the record, that's Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which. You know, uh, I've worked actually with with a few different rental car companies, but I got to say, uh, you know, Enterprise is an example of an organization that is just spectacular in how it functions. And yeah. I don't mean to make this an advertisement for Enterprise Renter Car, <laughs> but if you if you have a problem when you rent cars, try Enterprise. Yeah, I uh, recently had a very good experience. So anecdotally, I can support that. I mean, uh, it's just better. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what was, what's kind of the, the value or benefit um, to a system like that, where um, I think we, I think we hear it a lot, especially maybe in retail um, uh, environments where, um, you know, the owner or whoever says, I'm not going to ask anybody, you know, ask my employees to do something I wouldn't do. Um, so how does that kind of 
perspective translate to what we're talking about with developing soft skills? I mean, look, I think uh, their model is beautiful in a whole lot of ways. And, and, and a great example of it is that um, everybody goes out into the parking lot and washes cars. That's how you start. That's, that's just, that's, and it's, I like it because it's such a tangible example of how they live their culture and how they, how they create their culture. So just sure. like if you walk through that portal, uh, uh, into a, a marine boot camp, right? Like everybody <laughs> has the same experience, you know. Yeah. And um, uh, and and that's how they build marines. And and enterprise has a similar approach to building uh, uh members of their team, which I just think is so cool. Um, so you know, I don't know that that you have to have people dig ditches to appreciate what's going on in, in building the actual foundation of the house, right? Sure. I don't know if you have to have people uh, mix paint uh, in order to, to have them appreciate what it's like to stand on a ladder and paint. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Um, what I do know for sure is you should have a program uh, and it should be well thought out. And there, you should have a philosophy and an approach when it comes to what do you want people in your organization to be like? Uh, and what is the shared experience you want them to have? Um, mm -hmm. and, and I do think that, um, you know, sometimes people will say to me like, you know, oh, well, what should I look for if, you know, they might be hiring an investment banker? And, you know, oh, the people with all the great schools and all the great internships, well, sure. But I'll tell you what, if I have two people from, from you know, who are properly educated and have had all the internships, and I find one who spent summers working in a warehouse, right? And I find one who, who has never lifted a box and carried it across a warehouse, right? Or never loaded a forklift, you know, uh, one or the other. Oh, this one swept floors for two summers, right? Mm -hmm. And this one's never, uh, uh, you know, done, a, you know, never digged a ditch. And this one has, right? You know, you've got to find people who've worked hard. Uh, yeah. And done stuff. Uh, so, you know, I guess the washing the cars fits into that category. It just, you know, I, I don't know that everybody has to do push-ups in the sand at 4 a.m., but you want to be a Marine, you better do that. Yeah. Um, one of our, one of our sources, um, one of the retailers we spoke to for the soft skills story um, identified, identified qualities just like that. Um, he was talking about, you know, how he looks for, you know, maybe they don't have any work experience, um, but the, the, the kids who are applying, you know, the teenagers who are applying for jobs, maybe they helped raise their siblings. Um, so, you know, they don't have, you know, on the ground retail experience, but they do have management quote unquote experience, you know, they do have experience in getting their siblings to school on time. Um, so that's a great example. That's a great example. Yeah. He definitely, um, knows what to look for in, in, you know, the job application resume part, um, of the process. Um, one thing that's come up a little bit is that it's hard to, you know, you can see something on paper, you know, like you said, somebody could have great education, great technical work experience, um, but you don't really know what they're going to be like um, 
actually as an employee on the floor. Um, do you have any any tips on kind of, you know, if you bring them in for an interview, what are what should retailers be looking for? Timeliness. I, I, I think, yeah, <laughs> right, one. right. I mean, there's a few things like, you know, um, uh, one of the funny things is that in today's environment, it's so hard to hire people. Uh, people will tell me, well, you know, this this guy, he, he didn't show up for the first interview, you know, uh, but then we called him and, and he did come for the second interview. I mean, he came a little late, but and uh, and it looked like he had just come from the gym and hadn't changed clothes. And, you know, he was looking at his phone the whole time. And uh, uh, so then, you know, the guy didn't work. We hired him. He didn't work out. It didn't work out. Well, well no kidding. It didn't work out. Right. <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah. Right. They're yeah. just so desperate to hire somebody. So don't overlook red flags. Uh, and, and one of the things I recommend is so, you know, know who you are, know how to tell your story, know how to find good people. Make sure your current employees um, are happy uh, and into it. So maybe they'll uh, help you hire. Uh, maybe they'll recommend to their friend or uh, friend referrals. Uh, uh, teacher referrals um, uh, in, in local schools, uh, whether they're high schools or community colleges, uh, coach referrals, uh, uh, youth organizations uh, referrals. So once you have a sufficiently large applicant pool, then the most important thing is be selective and figure out um, how you can be selective, right? So figure out a way to very quickly set up some tests. So for example, uh, I, I firmly uh, recommend uh, behavioral interviewing. Um, but one of the techniques I recommend is once somebody seems like they really want to work here and you want to hire them, try to scare them away. Right. Tell them all the downsides of the job. Right. Uh, tell them all the downsides of the job. We open at 6 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. And, you know, for the first year, you're going to be the guy to, to or the, uh, I use the term guy as a gender neutral term. Please forgive me. <laughs> You're going to be the person to open the store, right? So, so um, you know, tell them all the downsides of the job. See who's left. Oh, uh, in the afternoon, usually in August when it's 95, uh, that's usually when we we have uh, the person in your role uh, move everything from warehouse A to warehouse B. You know, see who's left, right? That's a quick way to sort people out um, yeah. and and try and scare them away. And then the other thing that we recommend is. Uh, to hire people on a probational basis. And, you know, it's very hard to get away with that in today's job environment. Uh, sure, sure. But, but you can frame it not in, hey, we're just trying you out, but also we're, we want to give you a chance to try us out. Yeah. So, hey, it looks like this is going to work out. Uh, but, but, but so let's take a 30-day period. We'd love to have you work here, we think. And, and it sounds like you'd love to work here, you think. Um, but, 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 you know, let, let, let's be careful, right? Uh, after all, we've only just met, uh, you know, we don't need to get married, right? Like, let, let's try this <laughs> out for 30 days and, and, uh, and, and see how it works out. And by the way, making things provisional that, you know, we're not so desperate to hire you uh, that, you know, we're not going to be selective. It, that also sends message. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we've heard, uh, from retailers we've talked to who have a good handle on on hiring strategies is uh slow to hire quick to fire um so you take your time through the interview and the hiring process but you need to make the decision quickly if you know they're not a right fit because you know they're not a right fit yeah let me revise that i would say uh extremely diligent thorough and 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 cautious in hiring 
Sure. Don't go slow. Right. So yeah. sometimes, you know, uh, uh, people in a talent starved environment, if you've got a store owner, you know, uh, uh, who's who's understaffed and can see the pressure that's putting on the rest of his or her staff um, and is even having uh, uh, customer opportunities that they're not able to realize because they just can't make the delivery or whatever it is. Um, you know, you, you're going to have somebody say slow to hire. Are you crazy? Right. So you can be thorough. You can be diligent. You can be cautious in your hiring, uh, but do try to do it fast. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to fast to fire, yeah. Uh, you yeah. got a low performer, uh, get them off the team. Yeah. Make room first, for First, try to manage them. Manage the heck out of them. Bend yeah. over backwards and jump through hoops. Coach, 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 coach. Uh, you might find out that person is not a loser. That person just needs a lot of coaching. Yeah. Uh, that leads me to, to kind of my last question is um, what, what makes a good coach? Um, especially when we're talking about soft skills, this, you know, in the, in the book, you talk about people who are kind of resistant to this idea that it is the employer's responsibility to teach these things and to coach these, these skills. Um, so who on the team, uh, makes a good coach. Every leader, manager, supervisor, uh, should be a performance coach. If there is anybody who has dinner with their family and they talk about their boss and they're talking about you, right? That is a profound responsibility. You yeah. owe it to that person to try to help them get better. Coaching is not for losers. It's for winners. It's for everyone in between. Uh, coaching is, is a way of leading and managing. So my advice is, you know, every day, uh, whoever reports to you, you know, pick something you're trying to help that person get better at. Um, and and uh, talk talk about the work. There's so much talk at work about everything under the sun. Hey, did you watch that game? You know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I went for a hike. Where'd you go for a hike? I mean, you want to talk about that stuff? Go out for a beer after work. Oh, no, I don't like you that much. Oh, okay. Well, then let's talk about work, right? So, so, you know, there's too much talk in the workplace about everything under the sun. There's not enough talk about the work. And then people say they don't have time to coach. Right. So so when you're at work, make it about the work, make it about what we're doing here together and and, um, you know, pick something you're trying to help somebody get better at uh, and talk about that in detail. And, um, you know, at first it might not feel natural, uh, but like everything, human beings are creatures of habit. So uh, mm -hmm. when you do something, you start to get good at it and, and it starts to become a habit. And once it's a habit, it'll feel good. Yeah. Well, I'm not used to doing that. I have my own way. My way feels right. Well, sure, your way feels right. It's a habit. Habits feel right. Bad habits feel right. Good habits feel right. Form better habits. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about soft skills and why they should focus on them in their organizations? Uh, you will help uh, people avoid unnecessary problems, identify problems and solve them quickly, plan resources better so you'll make better use of resources. You'll help people uh, avoid going in the wrong direction so there will be much less rework and waste. Um, low performers hate this, so you'll scare them away. High performers love it, so you'll attract them. Everyone will get better and managers will be much better able to delegate work. Uh, you cannot afford not to do this. Um, you know, make your organization special. Awesome. Uh, Bruce, what else is going on for you right now? Uh, what other books are you working on or projects or anything else? 
Well, you know, so my newest book came out. It's called The Art of Being Indispensable at Work. Uh, that came out uh, about a year ago in the middle of the okay. pandemic. So if you didn't hear about it, it's because there was a pandemic. Uh, but, <laughs> it's doing pretty well. Actually, it's with Harvard Business Review Press. So now I feel all grown up, you know, and um, uh, and, uh, um, you know, we're, we're doing our own podcast. It's called The Indispensables. Check it out. Uh, it's free, nice. totally free. You can't pay for it. It's totally free. Um, and uh, I'm working on a book right now called The Karate Master CEO. Uh, I'm a lifelong martial artist. And uh, so it's my opportunity to write a book about that mixes karate and leadership. Awesome. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, rain, rainmakerthinking.com that's where to find me rainmakerthinking.com i mean i'm on linkedin I, i'm on twitter um sure. I'm, I'm told by uh, our media director i should mention that stuff <laughs> of course <laughs> uh turns out linkedin and uh twitter and facebook and all that stuff are, are for older more experienced people i think there are things for young people that we don't even know about yet you still need to find your way onto tiktok for example <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Bruce. Really enjoyed the conversation. Um, and uh, we will have uh, information about the book. Um, like I said, it's in the September issue of Hardware Retailing and Paint Decorating Retailer. Um, and we will put information about it in the description for the podcast. Thank you so much. It's an honor and a privilege. And I thank you for the work you do and, uh, and everybody for the work they do. Thanks so much. <laughs>